John 17, verses 1 through 5. Hear the word of God. When Jesus had spoken these words, he lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, that the Son may glorify you, since you have given him authority over all flesh to give eternal life to all whom you have given him. And this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. And now, Father, glory in your own presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of the Lord endures forever. So even among us here. Uh, it's this word glory that occupies uh, the central place, the central theme, uh, really in the whole of this chapter and of this prayer for us, this prayer of Jesus. And, and glory may be a strange word a, a little bit. Uh, glory is a word that relates to the weight of something, the, the value that it has. In other words, the importance that should be placed upon it. So I want us to start off just thinking about uh, what's important in life, what's important to you, what, what things matter most. Put it that way, overarching through this uh, sermon, we're looking at what, what matters most. Because there's a lot of things that that matter to us, uh, day in and day out with what we go through. Money, we would say, is, is not the most important thing, right? Um, but still, finances, when you're looking at the state of those finances, have a big effect and impact on how you feel from day to day, what you can do, what you can, can't do, uh, what you hope to do later in the future, right? It all comes down to what's, what's the status of some of these things. Uh, re- relationships impact us uh, profoundly uh, from just the friendships that you have, uh, maybe a spouse or a love interest, uh, children and parents, neighbors and co-workers all the way through. So much so that sometimes your joys and sorrows can be more connected to someone else's experience because you care about that person so much that what's happening to them has a deep impact on, on what matters for you, on how your life is going. And sometimes there's tension in those relationships. It's always kind of un- unsettling, right? Or even, it doesn't have to be real tensions. It can just be perceived tensions. Like, oh, where, was there something going on? Are they not like me now that I say something off and you worry about it? You can spend hours or days until you're like, okay, no, things are fine now. Uh, just, it just can really rattle us, even on that side of it. But sometimes important things. It can be trivial things, though. Um, embarrassingly, I'll say, uh, for me, like what's on Netflix uh, can sadly matter way too much in my life, right? That my mood can be affected by the quality of entertainment that was available to me that day. Um, but but uh, sometimes work's going to take the forefront in your mind. Um, you know, sometimes it's preoccupied by what, what the future may hold, what's coming up next, and what you get to prepare for. And all those things really do uh, matter, and they matter uh, for us. And it's, but it's also worth asking how... Why do they matter? How, what, what's underneath it? What, what's behind it where those things get to us uh, in so many different ways? I, like, why is it uh, that for some things they can, they can lift you up so quickly and encourage you? 
a lot of other things maybe have the, the power to, to break you down uh, so powerfully. What, what's going on in it? Uh, when, it when it comes to like, what matters to us, I mean, listen, for me, I, I'm concerned with me. And part of why those things impact me in different ways is because I'm, I'm wondering what, what's life going to be like for me. And I'm asking the question, how much do I matter? Uh, what value do I have? I think we all operate that way in varying degrees, and that's, that's not all bad, right? Because, because you matter, uh, because you do matter. Biblically, you're, you're made in God's image, and so you're valuable to him. He's given you a purpose and a role that you're to be engaged in. And so, so yeah, all those things come to us. And still, life continues to show us, maybe we should say frustratingly, uh, sometimes life continues to show us again and again that we're not what matters most. That things don't always go our way. And other things hit us in ways that we were, were not expecting. But this prayer of Jesus here, it centers us. It grounds us in what matters most for us. Uh, because of who Jesus is and how that relates to us. So we're going to pay attention to, to three questions here that the text uh, answers for us. As we look at even just these first five verses of Jesus' prayer, uh, we'll look at the three questions. Uh, who, when, and what? When it comes to what matters most, uh, there's a who in the text, a when, and, and a what. So first of all, who? We're asking what matters most, like in a sermon, or if it was Sunday school, you'd know what the answer is, right? You'd be like, okay, God, Jesus, right? Yes, you can kind of get that, get that answer from the get-go, right? Uh, you, you can guess it. For Christianity, and hopefully for Christians, that we struggle to live that out, what, what matters most is, is God. Uh, or an unbeliever could tell you that, that, yeah, even just the idea of God, part of it is that God is, is more than us. Sure, sure, that's the idea, but he, he matters more. But the reason I'm, I say we're asking, coming with a question, who, uh, is not just that, it's the, it's the first word in Jesus' prayer. But Jesus opens this prayer and you hear immediately the who of a relationship. As this moment comes to its culmination, Jesus calls out in front of the disciples praying, Father. Father, he calls to. It's the intimacy uh, that we hear. Uh, and I've looked at this text so many times before and seen it more, but in wrestling with it uh, for this sermon, is so beautiful and so striking and so impressive. Uh, the love and intimacy that the Son and the Father, that Jesus has with his Father, that you hear echoed uh, in this prayer. You know, when you watch a romantic comedy, yeah, sometimes, and there's the, the guy and the girl that you know, the, you, know, you know the plot of every romantic comedy and where it's going to go, but it's been building that tension, and they figured out uh, that they're right for one another, and it moves uh, toward that intimacy, and there's always that, that moment of the kiss, right? And whether that's cheesy or annoying, or you still find yourself drawn into it in a certain sense that we want that intimacy expressed. We're compelled uh, by that sense of, of intimacy tied together in love. Or maybe you see the uh, uh, little um, snapshots of it sometimes or clips on, on YouTube. Uh, soldiers, uh, especially over the holidays, right? Uh, soldiers, a uh, surprise return uh, to his family, into his family's embrace. And, and there's not a dry eye. And you can be like watching it on YouTube. And you're still like, this is so beautiful. Um, there's something compelling about that intimacy and being able to see it. 
reunited in love for one another. Have you felt that in the uh, embrace of a friend uh, when tragedies hit for you? Uh, maybe that can simply be in the, the touch or the grip of reassurance when you're worried, uh, when you're scared, and then someone else uh, stands uh, with you in that. All that and much, much more you have here as Jesus speaks this prayer and says, Father, your Son. It's the essence of the who in the prayer. Jesus describes himself according to his relationship. Father, your Son. I'm looking to you and giving uh, myself to you. Uh, here I am. Here's this uh, long-anticipated redemption of humanity. And this is, this is incredible here, right? Because the way Scripture describes it, uh, before creation, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit together have planned out uh, this redemption. And here now, uh, that moment is coming. Uh, that fulfillment is about to be there. It's Sometimes described as the eternal covenant or the intertrinitarian council of redemption, which kind of lacks the beauty of what's going on here. Um, but it's involved patience and hurt and suffering and pain and misunderstanding over and over again and rejection uh, leading to more rejection, uh, condemnation uh, that's coming, uh, mistrust and this betrayal. And Jesus walking through it all, knowing the purpose, knowing the relationship with his father. And as this plan enters into its, uh, into its horrible culmination, in this prayer we see Jesus leaning in with his full weight and utter dependence on his father. Father, your son, glorify uh, your son. He entrusts himself to him. So, so the who here isn't just some a generic sense of idea of God. God. God's most important. The who is first and foremost the relationship of father and son together in intimacy of love focused on redemption. A deep love through, tested through time and hardship. The intimacy of father, son, and the trinity are together. You know, on social media, there's, the, uh, there's always that... That sometimes like newly together couple, but that somewhat cute but definitely annoying couple that always posts things about one another. And it's like, oh, okay, but here's all this, how much they care for one another, which is, which is only outdone by, by parents posting about their children who did this and that and the other, uh, because there's so much joy in supporting them still. Uh, and, and way more than that, here is, here's Jesus and the Father together supporting, mutually glorifying one another. Uh, focused on giving uh, life and hope and redemption to us. Uh, so we also get to hear not just that who of the Father and the Son together, but that, that who and that uh, the Father and Son together involves us. Right, Jesus says, yes, he's requesting uh, glory for the Son, that he may glorify the Father. But then he, he uses this, this sense, or just as, uh, just as you've given all authority, uh, authority over all flesh uh, to the Son, uh, to give eternal life uh, to those whom you have given him. And he says this, uh, this is eternal life, that you may know the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. It kind of connects for us earlier in John, at John 3.16, the focus of the Father and the Son together, that God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, 
But whoever believed in him would not perish but have eternal life. So Jesus here says, this is eternal life. Eternal life is knowing God, not knowing about it, knowing, having a relationship being restored. Despite our sin that would keep us from God, here's one who stands in our place to restore us to the intimacy of love that Jesus has with his Father. We get to share in. That's what we do when we worship together. We get to share in the love that the Father has for the Son as he looks upon us. We get to know who matters most, even for, even for every moment of life, even for all the other things that we're dealing with as well. Life and fullness of life right now and always consists in a relationship of intimate love uh, with God. But through Jesus, we get to be assured of a continuing relationship of permanent affection uh, that can't be broken or taken away. From God himself. So listen, I don't know the who for all the things that happen in your life. Uh, who are the people that matter or matter most or that you need to deal with or that you worry about the stress or strife or, or tension in relationship uh, with? Uh, and, and for us, a center point, I don't know who the next pastor will be, right? Uh, but we know who. We know who uh, matters most uh, in all of this. Uh, the one who gives fullness of life uh, now and forever fullness of love to his own forever and we get to know him through Christ we get to know him uh, and, and we get to live in light of that relationship being most important when all the other things pile up that's what's underneath it so first who, secondly uh, when Right timing is, is essential with anything uh, that matters. And here, uh, certainly timing uh, matters. It's clear. I'm just saying this for, for fun. But as you look at the text, right, that's the, the opening words of Jesus' prayer involve uh, the timing of all of this. I'm going to pick on Karen because she's not here because she's at the hospital. I'd probably say this anyway. Um, and she would admit to it, but, but Karen almost never knows what time it is. <laughs> So we're, we arrive late, uh, we stay late, uh, we stay up later than we intended to talking, and I can't tell you how many times I hear out of her mouth, I'm like, okay, we've got to go to bed, or we've got to get home now, or we're, we're going to be, she's like, I had no idea what time it was, how, how did it get so late so fast, right? Um, and I'll say, since I'm picking on her, like I also admire that she's able to be in the moment where she's at and value that time. Listen, I'm known for being late things to things too, so it's not blaming it on Karen. But I'm always aware of what time it is. I'm aware of how late it is. That probably makes it worse uh, to be late. But still, sometimes I wish that for Karen I could have like time cards. <laughs> this is what time it is right now, right? Or one of those big like flavor flavor style clock to just put on her, put on her wrist. Like, yes, see the time now, dear. Um, Recently, I saw some of those uh, Holderness family videos on YouTube, just silly, uh, random things. But uh, there's one on, on May. So it's a, a family with a bunch of uh, young, young kids, and they're talking about how May is just crazy uh, for families with kids. And they have the, uh, the calendars held up, and it's got, like, triple circles on every day, and you have to have three kids into, like, seven different places at the same time. And... Um, and all these different things, award ceremony that like starts at nine o'clock on a school night, you know, it just goes on through all this. And, and we had to sit down with our calendar the other day because it's May. And we've got you know, like doctor's appointments and dentist appointments and preschool graduation and band concerts. And it's like, 
I'm not very good at scheduling this and holding it all together, right? And you've got the same things that you're looking at in your life or graduation that just happened or, or vacation plans for the future or weddings that always happen in the summer. But listen, every time you're looking at your calendar or you're, or you're looking at your watch, you're asking the question, uh, when? And you're saying, when does what matters happen? When am I prepared for it? What do I have to do because of the timing of what matters? And Jesus here calls our attention to win, and he centers it. He centers it eternally. He says, Father, the hour has come. And it's beautiful the way that he speaks of it. He's centering us on the timing is that the hour has come, or that we can say from our vantage point, the hour has already come. The hour's already come, and you weren't late, uh, and you didn't miss it. Because everything has already been done for you in Christ. And we get to reap the benefits of it and enjoy the fullness of redemption. Right? He can describe it simply as the hour. Like, okay, Jesus, which hour are you talking about here? And it's not like a 60 minutes thing. But, but this is the moment that is central in history. It's even more impressive because Jesus being eternally God, even though he's fully man, speaking to God the Father as eternally God can say, the hour of all eternity, this is that point that matters more than anything. And here it is at its peak and culmination. The hour, as it's described in John and other passages all through here, uh, is, is the hour encompassing Jesus' death and his resurrection and ascension, the whole accomplishment of redemption. Go back just before the, the discourse uh, in chapter 12. Uh, he's saying, Father, the, the hour is here, and it, it's for the Son of Man to be lifted up. That he would draw all people to himself, being lifted up uh, on uh, the cross. Honestly, it speaks there of the, the glory of the gospel finally being able to be seen. Now is we can see who God really is and what relationship we get to have with him what the character of the Messiah is. Not just bringing out a kingdom or another world power that might even conquer the Romans and last for a while. Here's the Messiah as the suffering servant standing in our place and being condemned for our failures and being raised to life for our justification that we can be seen by God as accepted and righteous and as sons to him intimately loved and belonging to him. So that in every moment uh, now, the hour has already come. We're already uh, rescued uh, in Christ. We already have assured hope, already restored in part, already have a place in the new creation. I find it helpful to think about in relation to the uh, timing of it here, that, that this, this hour is the, is the starting point of uh, Christianity going viral. They didn't, they didn't talk about it that way in the first century, I know. Um, but the growth of Christianity that makes no sense any other way, but that here was the point when Jesus' glory was seen. You know, there was crowds before, and there was the disciples and others who kind of come and go around that. Uh, but then after Jesus' ascension, a little bit later at Pentecost, Thousands of Jews from all over the different places that were there in Jerusalem are calling Jesus their Lord. 
and him being the center of everything that matters for them. Scripture says more continued to be added to their number daily. And over the next several years, the gospel travels not only from Jerusalem, but to people who had never heard about or known much about the God of the Bible at all are called Christians, followers of Christ from people who had never known the promises of the Messiah and traveled all throughout the globe. So, so even when we can say to talk about Christianity being in decline in the West right now, and that's fine, I understand that. But still, there's something that is globally and historically clear that the hour has already come, that the work has been accomplished, and Jesus is drawing all people to Himself, and we get to stand in the wind of having known the hour to be fulfilled for us. We get to walk in faith and live out the truth of it boldly, to speak graciously and helpfully to people around us about Jesus, to speak hope and to know that Christ reigns. When everything else around you seems shaking and falling, to know that Christ is raised and risen and coming again. So I don't know the when, uh, for all that matters uh, for you. And I have a hard time keeping up with my own schedule. So don't put your schedule on me. I care about you. But, but I don't know the when of what all is going to happen. For center point. I don't know the when of how long we're going to be without a pastor. Whether that's going to be like two years, like before, or a few months, or how it will go. And that's okay. Because we know the when. That the hour has come. And Jesus has come for us, and Jesus is with us, and the fullness of his spirit has the gospel still going viral throughout us and throughout the globe. As he draws people to himself, the one we need has already done all for us, and everything else takes place after this, in this hour that's described here. Of who? Of when? Uh, thirdly, What? Uh, it comes to what matters most. Uh, the, the what is, is Jesus, the what of Jesus' uh, request is, is glory. It's Jesus' uh, glory, right? He says, Father, glorify your Son. At the end of verse 5, again, you hear it echoed, uh, echoed back again. Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had with you before uh, the world existed. All right, but, but how do we describe like the, the substance of that glory or the character of that glory? And I'll, I'll say this is something where as a preacher you kind of throw up your hands and you're like, ah, I, you know, there's no way to like say that well enough or succinctly enough uh, to get across all of the glory of Christ. Right? Like, like no, that's something that, we, that, that we're never able to fully comprehend and that we always want to see and know more of. That I think we're going to spend all eternity still getting to enjoy the glory of God, the glory of Christ uh, with us. Um, it, it's something that for John's gospel, it's particularly focused around this, right? Even from the beginning of the, the word uh, that became flesh, uh, the glory of the only God no one has ever seen, but he has made him known. We see the glory of God in Jesus testified throughout John. Or another way to put it would be all of scripture is focused on the glory of Jesus, right? So read that and continue to come back to it. That's what the glory uh, of it is. Um, the Puritan John Owen has this great work on the, on the glory of Christ, and he talks about how the person of Christ and the work of Christ, and he goes into the person of who Christ is as fully God and fully man and all these aspects of him. 
but also the grace that he purchased of who he is and his work, of what all he's done for us that makes him beautiful to us, makes him love us, love him and value him more. Um, there's so much this to it. But what's emphasized here in this passage, uh, to put it this way, is the, it's the self-giving love of Jesus. The self-giving love of one who is so perfect and so far beyond us, who still values us and gives himself for us. Uh, Tim Keller has uh, described it this way, that that the glory described here is the greatest possible glory uh, because um, of Jesus' willingness to lay aside his glory out of love for us. The glory here is Jesus laying aside his glory out of love for us. It's kind of convicting uh, for me when I realize how unwilling I am uh, to give more than I thought would, would, would be required for something, more than I wanted. Uh, when it starts to hurt and you're giving up things that, that cost you, it's like, huh, I'm a little more begrudging on, on things. And here's Jesus, the fullness of his glory that he lays aside in order for redemption. Well, one of the commentators also describes glory as, uh, in this kind of word picture for us, of, of being clothed with splendor. Right? That, the, that the honor of the, of the person is actually shown through how you see them. You could see the very uh, beauty and the, the, the greatness of, of who he is. You can relate to this when you have those like down days, with those drabby days when you just don't feel like you look so good. Um, it's not just me, right? We're all there. Some, sometimes, sometimes. Uh, and you're just, yeah, you just doesn't feel, but then there's those other days where you just got a new haircut and you like it, or you get to, uh, you get to buy some new clothes, or there's an occasion that you get to dress up for, and, and it's okay, and you just, you know, not a problem, you get to feel your value a little more, and feel like that can be seen, and you can know other people, and be known uh, by them in a, in a positive way. Right now it's graduation weekend, right? Um, and I keep seeing all these pictures popping up on uh, Facebook and Instagram of people wearing these really strange-shaped hats, <laughs> all these black hats and black robes that I never see people wear any other time. These pictures by the fountain, and what is it? There's this unique garb that shows the honor of what they've accomplished. That they've completed the work of their studies. And now here is a symbol in this clothing that recognizes that they get to be accorded that honor of being a graduate. And they're proud of it, and rightly so. And we celebrate those things. We take another example, uh, the unique uh, garb, uh, distinctive garb of the the glory of the wedding dress. It's not about the... Uh, the embroidery or the fashion of how it's made, uh, but it's a symbol uh, of, of the bride and her love giving herself uh, to her groom. There's a glory in it that we value. And Jesus' glory includes things like the crown of thorns uh, that he wore for us. Jesus' glorified body is marked. It's marked by love for us, and that remains for eternity as part of his glory. That he was willing to be humiliated and executed, to stand in the place of sinners like me, to draw people from himself from all over the world, that we can walk into his presence and be received and be loved. 
ascended, raised and ascended and reigning and will be returned, that he remains still fully God, but also still in embodying perfect human form, God's glory embodied in that form and action. So, so when we wonder what matters, or what matters most, or when we look at what matters most, looking at it from what, from what we've done, oh man, it's always frustrating. Oh, it always feels insufficient. When I look at what I've accomplished, or what I can hope to accomplish, or how it's going. But Jesus in glory can say, it is finished. Oh, in the language of this passage here, Father, having accomplished, all the work that you gave me to do. Now, Lord, glorify me. Show the truth of that that will draw people to see a God who takes our place, who would walk willingly into what we would say, humanly speaking, uh, is utter humiliation, utter rejection and condemnation. And there his glory was just seen. Uh, <clears throat> The language of John, uh, later in his uh, uh, revelation of visions, uh, he says it this way. Speaking of Jesus as the lamb who is slain and yet still, still standing, risen, right? Worthy, worthy is the lamb who is slain to receive glory and honor and power and blessing from us. That's what matters most. Uh, that's what matters most for, for you and for me and every day and every moment of the big and important things and of the trivial things as we run through it all. It's what matters most for how we relate to it. And it's answered well by remembering those questions from this text, the truth of this text. John 12 uh, warns of those who, uh, who love the glory that came from man more than the glory that comes from God. Uh, but here as Jesus is lifted up on the cross, the glory that comes from God is seen in fullness. The fullness of love poured out to draw us back. So listen, there's still lots of things that, that matter. They matter deeply that you've got to get to later today and later this week and the rest of this summer and that you still have to, have to plot out and plan out. And every, every day we still have to deal with it. We're not supposed to ignore it because these things matter. Uh, but, but underneath it, and all around those things, behind it, uh, surrounding it and overwhelming it, is the deeper answer of the glory of Jesus. Uh, the glory of Jesus and his redemption of humanity. Uh, for you, and for those near you, and for those far off, all whom our Lord our God will call uh, to himself.